Welcome to another episode of The Artsy Raven, a show about writing and publishing with your host, J.F. Garrard. Welcome to another episode of The Artsy Raven. I'm your host, J.F. Garrard. And today we're talking about creative strategies to develop and perform stories that wow an audience with Corey Rosen. So Corey is an Emmy Award-winning writer, actor, and storytelling teacher. He has hosted over 100 live events for The Moth, The Moth Story Slam, and Grand Slams. Rosen has been featured on The Moth Radio Hour, Backfence PDX, Finch Files, and The B-Sider Podcast. He is an on-air personality for Alice Radio's The Sarah and Vinny Show, the number one rated commercial morning show in the San Francisco area. A performer at Bats Improv, he is also a head writer at Tippet Studio. When not writing or performing, Corey works as a visual effects artist and executive producer. He is credited in movies including Mission Impossible, several Star Wars films, and Disney's A Christmas Carol. He has taught at NYU and Academy of Art University, written for Comedy Central, Jim Henson Productions, and Lucasfilm, and directed television commercials and Emmy Award-winning short films. And after reading this bio, I feel like I've done nothing with my life, really, so... So Corey has done everything I ever wanted to do. <laughs> so. You're hired, JF. I'm hiring okay, you. Okay, yeah, you I get, get to work. Take over. There you go. That's what this is. This is actually a job interview. I don't oh, know if you I thought that okay. this was like a an author interview. It's actually a job interview. <laughs> yeah, tell me about yourself. Okay, I'll send oh, you my resume. You make later. a good use of the text. Okay. <laughs> so can we start off with uh, you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yes. So um, I was raised in New York, upstate New York, and I was always kind of theatrical and did plays and, and dressed up. I mean, my earliest childhood photographs are of me in various costumes and things. And I always kind of thought I was going to be an actor. And I went to summer camp to do theater and shows. And it was a joyful, wonderful experience. And I was surrounded by all of these incredibly talented other actors and directors and people. And I thought to myself, I can't do that. They're, they're too good. If they're so good, how am I ever going to compete in this world? So I shifted my focus to something else I really liked, which was uh, making movies and special effects. And that sort of led to a whole career for me uh, working at places like Lucasfilm, Industrial Light and Magic, Disney, um, doing special effects for movies. Um, and but I never really sort of shook the bug in my brain and in my life to be a performer. So I always was performing. I was always doing improvisational theater and sketch comedy and making short films and things like that. And about five or six years ago, I discovered The Moth, which is a podcast and a radio show that is featured on NPR, where people get up on stages and tell true stories about their lives. And I went to a show in San Francisco that was called The Moth Story Slam, and I told a story of my own, and it's a competitive show. So at the end of the show, I won that competition, and because it was the first time they'd ever done that show in the Bay Area, the producers from New York were out in San Francisco and they asked, could I host the show? <laughs> so I, I, it's sort of like a complete lucky break for me where all of these parts of my life came together. You know, the parts of my life that really like performing and improvising, the part of my life that really likes connecting with people and telling stories and kind of getting up on stage. So 
while I still do the movies and the special effects stuff, I feel like more of my life has now kind of like the, the disparate parts of my life have intersected. And now uh, I don't just work for effects companies. I write, I write screenplays for them and I don't just perform improv. I uh, facilitate other people telling their stories. And so this year I wrote a book called Your Story Well Told, which sort of synthesizes all of those aspects. It takes the things that I have learned from being an improvisational performer, actor, creative, writer, and all of the things that I know about storytelling from hosting so many shows and being around other storytellers and puts those ideas together, which is the ideas of you know, what an improviser has to do in the moment and create spontaneously and tap into sort of an inner well of creative ideas and then merge that together with the craft of structuring and telling stories. And so, so that's- What inspired you to what, actually write it all down? Because the moth is a very, it's a very oral tradition, it sounds like. So what, what was the aha moment? Maybe I should write it down and share it yeah. with people. Great question. I think that um, what inspired me to write it down is that I started teaching teaching classes in it. And my classes were a hybrid initially of um, improv class and storytelling class. Because you're right, JF, when people tell stories in storytelling shows, it's very different than creative writing or writing at all. In fact, many people come to the show and they've never written a word of it down and they aren't they don't consider themselves writers they're just people with a story to tell which i think is all of us <laughs> i think we are all full of stories and if i was to say to someone you're going to go on stage and tell a story they'd be like no way but then you go to a show and there's people just like you getting up on stages and telling a story about this crazy thing that happened to me or this funny thing or this transformational experience that i had and then it doesn't feel like you're performing at all. It just feels like you're telling a story. And I noticed by doing this that there's a range. Some people got it and some people don't. You know, let's just be honest. Like some people know how to kind of weave a story and spin a yarn. And other people, they're really not telling you a story at all. They're telling you an anecdote of something that happened, but it's not a story so the motivation for me and the work that I've been doing with my students for years is how to take those things, take those moments from our lives, take those, take that funny thing or that weird thing or that impactful thing. And how do I make it a story? Like, how do I let it be something that's not just what happened, but it has a conclusion and a, a change and a impact on my life and a reflection of how I'm different at the end of this experience than how I was at the beginning. And that's the thing, that's the, that was the core motivation for writing it into a book is how can I take this information and help other people just tell their stories better? So I think I'm listening to you and the core of a story, you're talking about beginning, middle and end, but, and in the book, I know you mentioned about different structures for a story. So yeah. is it different for when you're oral storytelling versus writing down, do you think? Fundamentally, it's not different. I mean, a story is a story. And something that I believe is, I don't, I don't think that there's one way to tell a story. I don't try, you know, in my book, it's not about my way of telling a story. And this is the way that one must tell a story. And it's not a book about this is how to win a story competition. Like, it's not that kind of a thing. 
What I do believe is that the story, the structure of a story should come out of what the story itself is, like what the story is trying to say or tell you or what it means. So I do indicate a number of different structures that I'm kind of a nerd and I collect structures and I really love observing like, oh, it's interesting what they used for that kind of structure. So, you know, some are very linear, you know, like many stories follow a pretty standard traditional sort of story spine or hero's journey kind of thing of an ordinary world and then something that triggers them into a, a special world and they experience something and then they come back to their ordinary self, but changed and different. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there is a lot of merit from a storytelling perspective of changing that up, of telling stories in different orders. You know, something that you see a lot at, at the Moth and other places, these stories that really just start in the middle of the story. And you don't know the context, you don't know what's happening, you don't know who this, these characters are, you just know that there's something interesting, there's a hook in the story. And then they'll jump back in time and backfill why, where we are, what's going on. And by the time it sort of catches up to the place where we started the story, now the audience has all this new, wonderful information that informs them of, of who they are and, and how they're gonna to react to their circumstances. Sort of gave an example of that in the book of you getting punched in the face. So you started off with that, but your son had told the story and you, his was more linear. So it was interesting to see the two stories example in your book because it's a why well, is it a real life story I think I don't know that is that's yeah, a wonderful oh and real story yeah I got I got punched in the face by another yeah. mother yeah. uh driving dropping my kids off at school yeah. one day <laughs> and I tell that story in the in the book in the in that way you're right yeah. start out getting punched in the face I don't save that as the climactic action of the story I start out with uh what the hell moment <laughs> and then I rewind just like that I yeah. rewind to like my normal routine and how I take my kids to school and what life is like. And later in the, yeah, in that chapter, uh, I like that same exact story is told by someone else. Uh, you hear my, my child, my son retell that same story. And you see storytelling is so individualized. Mm -hmm. You know, if you and I tell the same story of the same thing that we both experienced together, your version is going to be your version and mine is going to be mine. And that's what I, I love about storytelling is how, you can't, you couldn't read my story and have it come off like you, mm -hmm. you know, you would have to tell it the way that, that you are and stories connect us. The best thing about storytelling in general is not just as an art form, but as a human connective, you know, concept is that stories inspire other stories. A great story, if I tell you a great story, you're going to not just be like, wow, that was a great story. You're like, that's so funny because that reminds me of thing like I got punched in the face when I was 14. <laughs> yeah. Like, have you ever been punched in the face, JF? Uh, actually, I have, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about Tell me about getting punched in the face. Uh, oh, gosh. Well, I was being bullied in elementary mm -hmm. school. Okay. And it was recess. And I remember there were three girls that surrounded me. And next thing you know, you know, the ring forms with all the children. And then, yeah, and then I just got beaten up. Uh, but they've yeah. been hounding me all year, so it wasn't a surprise that I was getting punched in the face. Like it was like every day. It was just stupid it was things. Building to that, it was building to that. Yeah. Um, and so, what what came next? What did you do? Oh gosh. Well, I punched them back. Oh, and you did. Then I got in trouble, 
Um, you got my parents, Yeah, my parents actually went to the principal and they explained that I was disrupting recess for being, for existing, really. Like it was, back in the day, it was different. I mean, you know, bullying is not an issue as it is now. Like people are yeah. taking it a lot more seriously. But back then it was sort of like, well, if I punish them, I have to punish you too. So everyone gets punished. And you're like, uh, and then my parents decided to drop it. And they're just like, you know, one more year, right? It was eighth grade. So yeah, yeah. survive. <laughs> and then that's yeah. it. So and did it was you kind survive? Of, I did, but it's yeah. still, you know, it's still traumatic, but it happened yeah. and you get over it. I mean, what else can you do sometimes, right? Yeah, I know. So, okay. Can I just talk about your story for sure. a second? Because that was a great, that was a great like piece of information. We learned about you. We learned about you as a child. We learned about this situation. You created a, a picture for all of us in our imaginations of this ring of kids forming around and this conflict where they're picking on you. They've been picking on you all year. And then you fought back. You did the thing that we as the listener want you to do, right? You fought back and it feels so triumphant, but you get in trouble. You get in trouble for it, for defending yourself against these bullies. And we're on your side because you're the storyteller. So we believe you. And then it becomes this question about fairness, unfairness. And so we're drawn into that narrative. And then we get to the parent scene where now you're talking with your parents and it becomes about just survive. It's a story about survival of like, like you're almost out of this thing. And these kids, you know, they're not going to stop doing what they're doing. And you're going to. So it's about like, let's let's get through this experience and move on. And I read recently that all stories effectively, this is why, why we tell stories, they're about survival. <laughs> they're lessons for us to communicate to the world how I survived this far. And, and I got through this experience by doing this. And we hear that, I go, huh, that's it. That's, I could maybe, if I'm in that situation, <laughs> that's how I might react or how might I react? Yeah. And we see ourselves through the eyes of and through the experience of the storyteller. And while it's uniquely you and your life and your fight, you, you let us, all of us listening to your story, be there with you and experience that. And it also gives you the chance to reflect on your own moment of growth or fear or trauma or whatever that is. So that you can reflect now, I don't know, 20 years future in your life and see how, have I, how am I different or how am I as a parent? If my kid got into a fight, what might I say? Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I was talking to another new parent and they, like their kid isn't in school yet, but they're already talking about not enrolling them in school. And I was like, mm. why? And they're like, well, because my husband was bullied in school. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's a good idea to, for us to send our home our kid to school. We're just going to homeschool. And I'm just like, yeah. you know how much work it is to homeschool a kid? But, you know, that's yeah. their decision. Obviously, they were quite traumatized. So everyone is different, right? Like I sort of live oh, yeah. with it but they're yeah. sort of always it's almost like they're looking back and they remember the hurt and the emotion and sure. I obviously they want the best for their child so I mean everyone has a different perspective on child rearing as well right and and not just first I mean I'll put it into a story context of okay. like this is a situation where a, a, a story in their life a moment an experience that they have fundamentally changed their attitude towards school itself school mm -hmm. is where you get bullied you know, and yes, that they would true. change, radically transform their own lives to homeschool and raise their child to protect them from the pain that they went through, or maybe the pain that they perceive their child going through. Another person would be like, no, bullying made me the person that I am. It made me stronger. It made me tougher. It made me smarter. You know, like, 
-hmm. like everyone's choices define or reveal better than define their character, who they are. And that's something that I think is great as a storyteller to remember is that how you define your thought process, your emotional state, what you did and why you did it, again, connects us to the story and to the storytelling um, in that very personal way where we get to see what you did. So last night I heard a story, one of my students told a story that I loved and it was um, about being with her dad in New Hampshire on a farm in New Hampshire and kind of just pretending they're cowboys a little bit, you know, swinging on the fence while her sister's riding a horse. And then she says, um, my sister was very unhappy, a very unhappy child. Mm -hmm. And, um, but horses gave her joy and happiness. But then she flashed back within her flashback. So she's a, it's a story about her as like a six, seven year old kid and her sister is like nine. But then from that story, she flashes back to the way her sister would torture her by chasing her down the hall of their home with like dollhouse cutlery, forks and knives, and like a murder. And not like physically torturing her, but like emotionally, mentally yeah. torturing well, her. Well, girls do that, yes. Girls do that, right? Yeah. And like, and then, you know, come, comes back to the farm scene and like, and now we have this whole new perspective of this like little idyllic moment of cowboy dad and daughter and horseback riding. All of a sudden it's like a horror film. <laughs> and here's what comes next, right? It was just like beautiful because a flashback at the right moment in a story can really change everything and give us context for the character, the situation, and also maybe a clue for what might happen later in the story. I guess like one of the things that makes a good story is obviously connecting with the reader and having emotion but like you say like some people the way they write they write maybe it's too many details things get lost so mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. how like how do you coach people to sort of make their story more clear great question there there's a balance it's a tightrope between the what happens and how it was so the way the terminology I use is there's the spine of the story there's like the 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 sequence of events right? These are the beats of the story of what happens. And if you were to just tell me the sequence, you know, I went to the farm, I got on the horse, I rode the horse, I got off the horse, I went home. That doesn't, it's not very entertaining, but it might tell me exactly what happened. I drove my kid to school. Um, I pulled over, a woman punched me through the window of the car. I drove off uh, and came home. Like, like the, the what happens is the what happens, right? That's the sequence. But the color or the emotion or the, the descriptive language that we as authors and writers and storytellers use is what connects the listener to that. And you can't have one without the other. If it's all fluff and all color and all emotion, you don't have much. And if it's all the, the anecdote, the what happens, then it's not very memorable. So for me, it's about balancing those two things. And so like my background is improvisation. And there's a great game that I use. Um, it's actually in, in the book, I, I teach a number of like different games that people can kind of play with a friend or with themselves. And there's a game in there that's called Color in Advance. You wanna play it and see how this works? Oh boy, I didn't expect it's this, easy. all it's right. Easy. Like you don't have the, <laughs> the thing about these, all these games. Okay. The expectation is not that we're gonna do good, right? Yeah. So this is not about like, 
you're telling a good story or anything like that. It's really just like an exercise. It's very Zen. It's like, sure. what will come out? I don't know. Okay. So what's going to happen is you're going to tell, you're going to make up a fictional story about a, a um, I don't know, a moose or a frog or a turtle. I don't know. We'll do like a fairy tale. Like what's an animal, like some kind of a animal that we could tell a story about. Or you want me to make it it's, to come up with it's it? Okay. We can, we can stick with moose in Canada. Moose. Like Great. Oh yeah. Good. Uh, so this is going to be a fictional story about a moose. And what's going to happen is you are the storyteller for this, this part of the exercise. And uh, you, you, I'm going to give you basically two directions. I'm going to say advance when I want you to just tell me what happens. Tell me the story, but no details at all. Mm -hmm. You know, the moose walked up the hill. The moose ate some grass. The moose went down the hill. Like, don't be, don't describe anything. It's going to be hard. I know you're a good writer. And so you're going to want to <laughs> okay. I want you just advance, just action. Right. Okay. And then I'm going to stop you. And I'm going to say color. And when I say color, what that means is I want you now don't advance at all. Just describe. And description can come in any way. Think about the five senses. Think about what you see, hear, smell, taste, uh, think about emotional color. What did they feel? But don't move anything forward. And it's going to be really hard for you because your writer narrative brain yeah. is going to, uh, ooh, that indicates the next thing. So it's really, it's going to be trying to separate these modes and let's just see what happens. And I'm going to warn you, we're not going to get very far into the story because I'm going to interrupt you a lot. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, I'll get you started. So this is a moose. And this is going to be a fictional story. So this is like a, a world where mooses can walk and talk and, and um, there's other mooses that like work in stores and things like that. So, um, and your moose's name is Larry. Okay. So yeah. Larry works at a store. Uh-huh. Advance. Larry met the mayor of Toronto. Yep. Advance. He was invited to Toronto. Advance. Um, and he had to stand at Lucky Moose Supermarket. Oh, color, color the oh, Lucky no. Moose Supermarket. Just color, just describe uh, it's a it. Chinese supermarket and um, the moose is part of its decorations. Oh, it's, okay. What's it, it smell like inside the rest in the Lucky Moose? Lucky Moose, oh gosh, it smells terrible. <laughs> oh, it's a terrible smell, yes, it's a terrible oh, smell. Oh, okay, no, it shouldn't be terrible. There's fruit, no. you can smell fruit, I guess. You could smell meats. Yeah, where is, where, is, where is Larry standing in the, in the supermarket? Where can um, we picture Larry? He's standing? above the supermarket. This is a real moose I'm picturing. It's above okay. the supermarket. He stands above, like on a, on a balcony? Yeah, he's on a balcony. Oh, he's good. in a Chinese outfit. Yeah, he's a moose and, in a Chinese uh, outfit. Okay, advance, advance. All right, so we know we've got him. Then one day the moose sees a girl. Okay, advance. And oh no no let's color the girl color, color. The girl. okay so the girl um very beautiful mm. um brown hair moose girl, girl or human girl what is human she? girl he sees human a human girl, girl going to the okay. supermarket what color what color is she wearing um a blue dress a blue with lace dress. Ooh, yeah what's her what kind of hair like what describe um, her hair straight hair? uh long down okay, to her advance. waist advance advance um the moose uh, tries to run away. Oh, it tries color, to run after the, the girl. Oh, sorry. Color the emotions of the moose right now. Oh, the... feeling, um, feeling frustrated, trapped, wants to run. <laughs> oh. Let's stop there. Let's stop there okay. for a second. All right. So, what did you notice playing that? 
playing that game? Oh gosh, it's hard doing one thing at a time. Yeah. Um, but it feels like like you're building a skeleton and you're sort of fleshing in the details yeah. and um, and trying to make it more vivid for the listener, I guess. And for yourself. I mean, I felt like, for you, myself, yeah. felt like you were seeing it as you were describing it. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Definitely. I don't know if that's the case or if you could just see it in your mind's eye. But when you were describing yeah, the yeah, very visual. supermarket yeah. and the balcony, now there's a balcony and there's moose decorations and there's a human <laughs> girl in a blue dress. Yeah with waist length hair like you created for all of us listening you created a mental picture it's like the canvas of my imagination is basically blank and as you were describing the balcony and the decorations and the, the fruit smell and the bad smells like it create all of a sudden i could i could see closer to what you could see so that's mm -hmm. what color and yeah. detail do for a story is that they allow us to like we're all going to play our own movie in our own mind yes but the more detail and the more texture you can give, the better it is for us to visualize and see it. And if it's all description and all color, then we lose the thread and we lose what's mm -hmm. the point of this. But then yeah. once the moose got worried and he got nervous and frustrated and wanted to run away, then there was a hook. And I was curious to see what comes next. So it's really just about balancing the advance and the color. It's about taking the spine, the steps of the story, and then and always giving a beat to to get allow us to see it, hear it, feel it. Oh gosh, I've always been so afraid of improv because I'm afraid I'm not thinking fast enough. It almost feels like you have to think, yeah. you know, a few steps ahead, right, as you go on. I think on. a lot of people think that. They're sort of afraid of it because they think that improv is about being fast or being clever. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, you know, if you take a class in improv, it's you generally not about that. It's generally about just trusting that you've got something in you and being okay with being okay. Mm -hmm. Like being okay with whatever idea comes out because if you, if you go with it and you kind of see where that leads to, then you'll, you'll often be surprised at the outcome. You'll see that something came out that I didn't expect to come out. And that's the part that's delightful and amusing and, and surprising for the audience is to watch you be delighted and amused and surprised. Um, so it's not about having all the answers. It's about finding them and uh, getting out of your own way. And that's, I think, what a lot of writers go through is this writer's block kind of idea of, of trying to fix it before it's even out. So my, you know, what a lot of my process involves is kind of vomiting it out. Just get it out of you and then separate evaluating it from creating it. So you're full of a lot of ideas and a lot of creative things. And if you're, if you're second guessing all the time, then you're never going to get those things out. So I just suggest just do it, just get it out and then look at it and say, this is worth exploring or this is garbage. I'm going to put this on the side, you know? I was going to ask you to wrap up about any advice for writing stories, but I think you just answered my question. Oh, good. Yeah. Because that's really what the, the, the advice that I would give people is, is it's so easy to not write. I mean, I think everybody who listens to this, who wants to write, should consider the Stephen King advice, which is that if you're, I think it was Stephen King who said, if you're waiting, if you're waiting for the inspiration to write, you're not a writer, you're a waiter. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so don't wait, don't wait, just write, just get things out, write bad things, write garbage, write a little bit every day, write like it's your job, write for 20 minutes, write for five minutes, five minutes a day is fine. 
when you get in the habit of doing anything, whether it's making your bed, um, you know, doing the dishes, writing a story, like you'll get some bad ideas out, you'll get some okay ideas out, tell your stories to people. And once you start telling them, you'll start to find structures and find ways of telling them better. Yeah, I've tossed away stories before and people are so horrified. Oh, you spent so much time on it. I was like, yeah, you know, you know yeah. what? By practicing, it makes you better. So as you go yeah. along, you're going to get better anyways. Totally, totally. Okay, so you're going to share a little bit of your book with us. Yeah. Now, did you want to sort of tell us a little bit what you're going to read before you start reading? Um, yes, absolutely. So I, um, so one thing that I mentioned in uh, our earlier thing is that um, the book is kind of, a, it's basically divided into three parts. It's about ideation, like finding your stories, where do stories come from? It's about structure. The middle part is kind of about structure. Like now you've got an idea, like how best to tell that story. And then the last part is performance, you know, like telling the story and doing it in the best way. So this uh, relates kind of to the, the end of the second part about crafting your story, about ending, finding an ending to your story. A lot of people struggle with this, especially with true stories, because I think in true stories, it often doesn't there's an ending because like that happened, but then something else happened and I'm still living this story in some ways. So, so it's difficult to craft the ending. So this is from my book, um, Your Story Well Told, and it's how do you end your story? When crafting an ending, my favorite place to look is backward. What have we already established, introduced, and set up? Is there something that can be reincorporated, a line, a piece of advice you received? We will come into your story clean. We have little or no knowledge about you, your life, and your experience. Everything we know, we are learning from you. With this in mind, you have the power to direct our knowledge and understanding of you, and you set us up for the ending. So lay in clues, motifs, and imagery that hold us through to the end. And when you succinctly leave us with that, with a memory, a message, you win a piece of our hearts. Another way to find your ending is to start with it. If you know where you want your story to end, the punchline, the shocking conclusion, the lesson, then you can build the story backward. Remember in the story spine, the connection between every day and ever since that day. If you know the end of your stories ever since that day and then build up to that, you can reverse engineer the beginning to prepare us for that conclusion. Here's an example from a student of mine named Randy Beard who tells this story that, that was in need of an ending. He begins with this. I have two childhood memories of my mother. The first, I'm about three years old playing with her typewriter and I get in trouble. The second, I'm walking with her to pick up my brother from church. I'm five years old, it's dusk and we live less than a mile from the church. I remember the white line on the road next to me, my mom's hand and mine on my left side and the headlights of a car behind us. Then I remember the feeling of getting the wind knocked out of me like I was punched in the stomach. So in the story, Randy is recounting the confusing aftermath of a car accident, which ultimately reveals that his mother died that night. Dealing with the tragic aftermath of that incident, Randy is left with lingering unanswered questions. People don't believe that he was hit by the car at all. Why would a five, wouldn't a five-year-old have died if he was hit by the same car that killed his mom? But the lingering sense of memory getting punched in the stomach stays with him until one day telling the story to a girlfriend, she suggests, did you ever consider that your mother was pushing you out of the way? He reconsiders the details of this memory, 
that when he came to, he was lying in the middle of the road while the police lights flashed all around. And then Randy says, but I don't know how to end my story. And I'm going to end there because I, I go on to how the next thing is called, how would you end this? So, um, yeah. <laughs> As leaving us on a cliffhanger. So now we all have to go out and buy your book. <laughs> okay, before we leave, can you tell us where can we find you and your book? Yes. So um, I have a website that is my name, CoreyRosen.com, spelled C-O-R-E-Y-R-O-S-E-N.com. My book is available anywhere that books are sold. So you can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Pyramid Books, Loyalty Bookstores. Um, I... These days, because of the pandemic and everything, I'm strongly encouraging people use this opportunity to support your local bookstores. So if there is a bookstore in your town, uh, call them. If they don't have it, just they can order it for you. So you're supporting them and you're supporting um, first-time authors like me. Cool. Very, very nice. I don't think there are any moth events in Toronto, are there? There may be. Right now, all of the moth events are uh, virtual. So anybody could basically go to an event no matter where you are. You can go to the moth.org and you can find uh, story slams and uh, main stage shows, live shows of people telling stories. You can listen to the radio podcast and it's terrific. Um, and um, yeah. Oh, oh, and I also perform at a place called Bats Improv, mm -hmm. which is the San Francisco Improv Theater, where their website is improv.org. ORG, and we do live free shows every Friday and Saturday night. Um, we are on the West Coast. So for those of you not on the West Coast, the shows are at 8 p.m. Pacific time, and they're live free improv shows. So I invite people to check out uh, one of our shows. Wow, lots of things to do during the pandemic, although we're at home, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much. And um, I'm sure we'll see you around. I mean, maybe you'll be, you know, in the credits of all our movies later. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Great right. talking to you, JF. This Great talking fun. to you, too. Okay, yeah. bye. Bye-bye. For more upcoming episodes of the Artsy Raven about writing and publishing, visit us at jfgarrard.com slash podcast. A reminder to Patreon subscribers that there is bonus content available for every episode on the Patreon website. If you enjoyed the show, you can show your appreciation by buying us some digital coffee. The Artsy Raven is produced by JF Garrard. The voice in the show's introduction is Chris Gorman, and music is by Tim Moore. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe. Mm -hmm.